This is the New Song Church podcast. You're listening to a service from our church in Oklahoma City. Wherever you're at today, we hope this helps you to better know God and to practice the way of Jesus. Now here's the message. Good morning, New Song Church. Looking good today. Praise the Lord. I am Pastor Ken. If you don't know me, I am known around here, a.k.a. the handsome pastor. Thank you. <laughs> and we're glad you came today. Hey, let's welcome everybody online. Come on, clap your hands. We're glad you're with us. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, we're going to get into the Word today, but, but as we do that, uh, there was a couple that had their pastor over for dinner one night, and when it was done, they're cleaning up, and, you know, and, the, and the wife notices they, she can't find the pastor's spoon. So she said, I wonder where the spoon went. And she tells her husband, you don't think our pastor stole a spoon, do you? So about a year passes, and they invite him over again for dinner. And uh, after it was over, you know, the wife kind of said, you know, this is kind of uncomfortable, Pastor, but I got to ask you a question. When you were here last year, you you didn't steal our spoon, did you? you?" And he said, no, it's in your Bible. (laughs) Yeah, sneaks up on you, doesn't it? Turn to somebody and say, the spoon is in the Bible. The spoon is a metaphor for life and your dream and your goal, but it's hidden in the Bible, right? Did you know that? Uh, So this morning, we're going to be talking about seed time and harvest is our topic. And it was a few months ago, I think Pastor Sarah was leading prayer, and she quoted this scripture, and it kind of hit my ear. And then uh, my wife said it one day at home, and it's Luke 18, 8. And it says this, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? So God is looking for faith, right? It's interesting. It doesn't say will he find joy or peace or even love. And all those things are important, especially love, because God is love. But it says, is he going to find faith? Why? Because faith is is how we tap into God how we tap into the provision of God and the person of God. It's by our faith. So I think it would behoove us to have an understanding of faith. Would you not agree with that? So we're talking about seed, time, and harvest. That's our title. And uh, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22. And this is all about after the flood of Noah, when the earth had been flooded, uh, Noah and eight people, his family, were on the ark. Now, first service, I said this wrong. I said, Noah, eight people. And somebody came up to me after service and said, I thought that you said when Noah got off the ark, he ate people. So let me make, make it clear. Noah doesn't eat people. Okay. <laughs> it's Noah, eight people, his family, and they come off the ark and they make an altar and they sacrifice to God as a brand new commitment. Lord, we're going to serve you. And with that, God declares some things that are going to be happening moving forward. Uh, He says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Now, these are all things that we can rely on on an ongoing basis. We can be assured of and take confidence that all these things are going to be working until Jesus comes back. It's like just as sure as the hot summer in August in Oklahoma, you get there and you think, when is this ever going to end? And then all of a sudden we're in November and it cooled off, didn't it? God promised it would. Just like the sun went down last night and you're thinking, oh my goodness, it's dark. Will it ever be light again? You know, it came up this morning. 
and it'll do it tomorrow. And God promises all these things are non-negotiables. They're going to be happening all the time. You know, God can do miracles, supernatural acts. I've seen some miracles in my time. My wife had a miracle. Trudy had crossed eyes from a fall at the age of four. She grew up for 14 years with crossed eyes and impaired vision, dealt with that. But she met Jesus when she was 17 years old. and We were just barely married. And she went to a little home prayer meeting one night, and they prayed for her eyes to be healed. And in an hour's time, her eyes went straight. Her vision became 20-20. That was a miracle. How many know God does miracles? Isn't that exciting? But you know, we don't walk in life by miracles. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. So seed time and harvest is a definition, if you will, of how faith works. And it's two words, seed time, harvest, but it's really three things. It's the planting of seed, then number two, time passes, and then number three is the harvest. So the seed, the time, and the harvest. This is a process of faith, and that's what it's talking about here. So if you would, would you stand to your feet one more time with me? We're going to pray. And just ask God to bless the word this morning. And uh, let's come to the Lord right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we honor your presence with us. We believe you're in the room. You're here to help us and guide us. Every person here this morning, I put the word of God and the, the angels on their ears that they may have ears to hear. Lord, may we leave here differently than we came. Not because of me, not because of just the church, but because of you. May you speak to your people, and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Jesus preached about seed time and harvest. Did you know that? Uh, he preached about the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4, Matthew chapter 13, Luke chapter 8. They're all just a little bit different, but they're, you know, a lot of the same thing. He preached about this parable. And Jesus tells his disciples as he's talking about this, that this parable is the key to understanding all parables. So this is the big granddaddy of all parables. If you get this, it opens up the door for you to understand other parables that Jesus taught. And parables are made-up stories that Jesus told to, uh, to explain a principle of faith, a principle of God. So in Mark chapter 4, let's go there and look at verse 3. And it says this, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. And then we go into the parable, and he talks about four different kinds of soil where the seed was planted. We'll talk about all those later, but there's three protagonists in our story that we want to talk about this morning, and they are the seed, number one, the sower, number two, and the soil. The seed, the sower, and the soil. They all start with an S. Easy to remember, right? It's because I'm such a great preacher. Yeah. Hallelujah. So, so let's talk about number one, the seed. You know, seed is a powerful thing. The oldest viable seed that grew was two, or yeah, the oldest seed was 2,000 years old. It, it was a Judean date palm, 2,000 years old. The seed had been around that long, and they planted it, and it sprouted. So there is potential in the DNA of seed for a massive harvest. Now, I have in my hand right here a little acorn, tiny little seed, right? I found this out under one of my son's trees. And this acorn has in it the DNA to produce a tree maybe this big. I've got a tree I want to show you this morning. 
And this, once again, this is a tree where I found this acorn at, at my son Josh's house. And this is a massive tree. You notice it's on the, it's a little down slope where it's planted, so it's gotten a lot of water over the years. Probably the span of this tree is, I'm guessing, 50 yards at least. Uh, the tree is probably, we don't know, but maybe 100 years old to, to grow that big. And this tree is huge. Show that next shot, guys. Uh, it's a little tighter. You can see how big the trunk is. And that's, you know, getting into the tree. That's my two granddaughters. That shows you how big this tree is. And one more. And I just wanted to show you how pretty my granddaughters are. Right? Aren't they awesome? So, and then the next shot here. This is uh, the uh, shack where, my, where Josh puts his lawnmower and all of his tools. And uh, here's the deal. He told me one time, he said, when you and mom get really old, this is where we're going to let you live in our backyard. <laughs> so we're excited about that. They're going to take care of us and... Yeah, um, but the seed, the seed is powerful. There's life in the seed, right? Just in, like in a natural seed, but the Word of God is full of life. Hallelujah. It's full of life. It is live. It is truth. God backs His seed up. That seed is backed up by the Lord. It is perfect seed. It cannot fail. It will produce what it says. It is supernatural seed. Listen to me. The seed of God's word is the answer to every problem you're looking at this morning. Think about it. What are you facing? The word of God has the answer for that. Just like that acorn, it's infused with power to bring to pass what it promises. 2 Corinthians 1.20, I love this scripture. It says this, for all the promises, everybody say all. For all the promises of God are in him, yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. You won't come to the Lord and him say to you, no, you can't have that promise because that's not the will of God for, for, for you from me. No, God promises he will give you what he promised. Isn't that good to know? So here's what we do. When you have a need in your life, ask yourself this question. What does the Bible say about this? What is the seed that I need to plant for this need in my life? Sickness comes against you. What does the Bible say about healing? Find some scripture. Go dig in the book. Look for the spoon, right? What does the Bible say about marriage? Well, the Bible says that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And when you love your wife, gentlemen, and when you, when you cherish your wife, what will happen is she will submit to you and you will become this team that God has called you to be through all the challenges of you being so different than each other. How many know marriage is a great challenge? I've been married for 53 years. Can you imagine that? And Trudy and I have had always this kind of sparky marriage. In fact, pretty much every day of our marriage, there's something we don't agree on. But that's okay, because that brings synergy and life to your marriage. In fact, the Bible says two are better than one. So whenever you, you get an agreement and you work at your marriage, you can do something phenomenal in the earth. Isn't that good to know? What does the Bible say about raising children? What does the Bible say about your money, about finances? The Bible has a lot to say about that. What does the Bible say about when you're tempted? What do you do? Find the seed for your need. It's in the Word of God. Everybody say it's in the Word. All right, number two is a sower. The sower. We got the seed now, but let's talk about the sower. Mark 4, 26. Uh, Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows. But he does not understand how it happens. You don't have to figure out how it's going to happen. That's not our job. 
Our job is to sow and plant the seed of God's word for the harvest that we're wanting. Seed does no good until it is planted. Some people wonder, why isn't God doing this for me? Well, why isn't God coming through for me? See, here's the deal. You have a part to play in this. And God won't do your part. You got to do your part. Now, you can't do God's part because he's God and you're not. But only you can do your part. You got to take responsibility. It's a partnership of you working with the Lord. And until you begin to plant some seed as the farmer of your life, things just won't happen. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, back to the beginning of time, whenever God was creating and and putting things in place in the earth, it says in verse 5 that neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. For the Lord had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. you got to cultivate your own crop. You are the cultivator. See, you got to understand this. you got to take an assessment of your life today. I challenge you to do this. And understand you are living today in the seed that you planted yesterday for good or for bad. But we have control over this. God can't move, though, unless we begin to move. Years ago, when we were young, Trudy and I were young, we wanted a baby. We wanted children. We haven't had any children yet. And she was having some physical problems. So she went to the doctor, and the doctor discovered that she had endometriosis. And he said, here's the cure for endometriosis. She's having some pain, and, you know, it's affecting her. And he said, we're going to do a hysterectomy. But we don't want to do a hysterectomy because if you have a hysterectomy, you can't have kids, right? So we're like, well, what do we do here? And so one day, Trudy's just reading the Bible. The Bible's a seed book, right? And she stumbles upon this scripture, Psalm 113, verse 9, that said this, he makes the barren woman to be a joyful mother of children. And she said, wait a minute. This, this is a, pro- a promise that if I'm barren, that God will give me children. And she grabbed a hold of that. And she told her sister about it, who was older than her and had some children already and understood how much she wanted kids. So they agreed together that, that this was going to come to pass, that she's going to be a joyful mother of children. And then her sister Deanne gave her a little aqua baby dress. And she said, I want you to take this dress and I want you to see yourself bringing a baby home from the hospital in this dress. So she grabbed a hold of that and began to act on it and work it out. She began to put uh, exercise to her faith. And she would take that dress to bed with her at night. And she would go to the kitchen and fix meals with the dress on the counter. She would drive and do errands with the dress. And there came a day when we got an, uh, the notice from the doctor that she was pregnant. And we brought a little baby girl home in that dress one day to fulfill that promise. The promise is in the seed. So here's the question. What are you planning? Take an assessment. What are you investing your life in today? What are you spending your time on? Is God your number one pursuit? What are your choices? Because your life today is a sum total of what you planted yesterday. So we have the seed and the sower, and now let's talk about the soil. The soil is the human heart. And the condition of the soil determines the yield of the harvest. Let me say that again. The condition of the soil determines the yield of the harvest. The Word of God has the answer for everything we're ever going to face, but our heart determines the seed's effectiveness. 
So Jesus talked about four different kinds of soil here. Let's go through them. And I want you to think about these as we go through them. And, and think about where are you in, in the soil the analysis we're giving today. Because you'll find yourself in here somewhere. So four different kinds. Number one is the footpath or the road. And it says that the birds come immediately when the seed is scattered on the road and they steal the word of God. So this is like, you know, in Bible times, of course, they didn't have asphalt, but they had roads that were traveled. And because so many people walked on them and animals walked on them, that they, they became very hard. So the seed, remember, is the word. You throw the seed out on the, on the, on the road and the seed is alive, but it can't get in because there's hardness there, right? Uh, and, the, and then the Bible says the birds come along and steal the seed. A lot of the time in the, in the Bible, birds are like demons. They're a type of demons. So the devil comes immediately, the Scripture says, to steal the word so the word doesn't take any root. And we've all seen people like this. And maybe you, maybe, uh, and we were all like this at one time. We had a hard heart. I was in a Starbucks a few months ago, and you know, I was waiting for my coffee. And that particular day, I happened to have on a pair of bright blue Nike tennis shoes I was wearing that day. So I'm just standing there waiting for my coffee, and there's a guy sitting over here at a table, and he just engages me, and he said, man, those are crispy shoes. I said, crispy? I, I didn't know. I, I said, I've never heard of that. Is that good? How many have ever heard crispy? Some of you have. Okay. Well, I hadn't. Uh, I'm sheltered. And... Uh, so I said, okay. And he said, hey, uh, what, let me ask you something. What do you do? I mean, he just asking me. Now, you ask a preacher something like that, you just open up a can of worms, buddy. I'm coming after you. He said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm a preacher. And I said, you know, uh, I said, you know Jesus is good. And I, do you know the Lord? And he said, oh, no, 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 I do not. He said, in fact, here's what I believe. And he went into all this rigmarole, metaphysical stuff, and I'm going, I don't even know what he's saying, and neither does he. I mean, he, you know, and so I thought, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to argue the Bible with this guy. He's not there. Uh, he would just say, I don't believe the Bible. So I, I gave him my testimony. You know, people, they may tell you they don't believe your testimony, but nevertheless, that's your testimony, and if it's truth, it's got power in it. So I began to tell him, I said, you know, man, I was on the road to alcoholism and, and God saved me and I got delivered and, and my wife's eyes were here. I'm telling him a couple of things and I, and I get done and there's just nothing. It's like, yeah, okay, fine. And so I'm, I finally go, well, I've gone as far as I can. And this conversation in this Starbucks was one of those loud ones where the whole Starbucks is in on it, you know? I mean, because he's loud and so am I. And so... So I, I said, well, i tell you what, I got to go, but tell me your name. I'm going to pray for you. He said, I'm not going to tell you my name. I don't want you to pray for me. So I said, fine. I went outside and prayed for him. But, <laughs> but as I was walking out the door, there was a little lady sitting over here by the door. And as I'm walking out, she said, you can pray for me, sir, if you want to. Wow. You know, you never know. You never know who's around and what's going on. But that's rocky soil. Rocks would be the memories in your heart. Uh, excuse me, no, 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 rocky soil is soil that cannot penetrate, the word cannot penetrate. Number two is, no, that's footpath. I'm sorry, I'm getting confused. Number two is rocky soil. Rocky soil. Jesus talked about soil where the root or the seed goes in, but it can't find root because there are rocks that block the root. And those rocks are things like pressures of life, affliction, and persecution will arise for the word's sake. 
And these are like people that hear the word, they get excited about it, they see that the seed is the answer, and so it gets planted in their life, but the rocks stop the roots from going down because it's blocked, it can't take root and it can't grow, and it finally is snuffed out. And there are people like that. What are rocks? Rocks would be the memories in your heart, your hurts, your past, uh, uh, things that are hard places you've encountered in life, things like people reject you. Uh, you get persecuted because you, you stand up for Jesus. Uh, anger that you have, the way you were raised maybe, the way your spouse is treating you in your marriage right now, a divorce you went through, miscarriage, things like that hurt, and they cause rocks. And, you know, all these things can be summed up really in one word, and it is the word rejection. But understand this, Jesus took the rejection that we all go through. All of us face this. All of us. Jesus was rejected, and he was abandoned for us. Isaiah 53.3 says, He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. Wow. Jesus went through all that, not for himself. He did that for us. The biggest hurt in your life you can take that to Jesus, and he'll help you with it. He'll help you with it. Number three is the thorns and the weedy soil. And this is like, uh, this is like the seed is planted, the, the plant comes up, but then there are other things, peripheral things, begin to sprout up and begin to compete for the, the soil, for the moisture of the good plant. And these are like Jesus talked about these as the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lusts of other things. These are distractions that grab our attention. And listen, I think we live in the most weedy time in human history. Would you not agree with that? So many things, so, so many changes the last few years. You know, when we were young, we didn't have phones like you have now. We had, our phones were in the house and they were on a cord. And you had to get, go to the house and find the phone. And, it, you know, you couldn't carry that sucker around your pocket. But now that it's just so, everything's so accessible. The phone, the internet, social media, entertainment, these things are grabbing at us all the time. 785 channels of TV you can watch and stream. And uh, deceitfulness of riches, being rich, wanting things in life, uh, busyness of life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And all these things are designed to choke out the word. To ch- the words, the plant's coming up. But these things will steal and choke out the, the nourishment so the Word cannot do what it's called to do. And then number four is the good soil. Mark chapter 4, verse 8. Still other seed fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted. They grew, produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted, or a 50-wide 50-yard-wide oak tree in your life produced by that seed. That is the good soil. God wants to do that in us, right? So see, here's the thing. Your heart can change if you're willing to work on it. It may take some time, but if you're willing to work on it, and we're all working on it, right? (laughs) All the time. I'm an older guy. I'm still working on it. I'm still learning But I want to be that way, don't you? I never want to stop. I want to keep on changing. I want to keep on uh, uh, being the kind of person that's going to change because I do not want to miss what God wants to do in this time because I think it's going to be phenomenal. But Hosea chapter 10 verse 12 
talks about this. Plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground or the fallow ground of your hearts for now is the time to seek the Lord that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. So you have to plow, you have to pull up weeds, you have to cultivate, you have to break up the rocks. You know, I grew up on a farm so I understand some of this. And farming was a long days, you know. I mean, the day started early when the sun came up. And, and I remember when I was, uh, I don't know, I think I was 15 or 16 years old. And you got to understand there was not always daylight savings time in the summer. We didn't always have that. And I remember when that came along, which meant you uh, had have an hour later in the evening. I hated daylight savings time because all that meant to my dad was we got up at the same time. But we just worked an hour longer. Daylight savings time is of the devil. And so I hate, but so it, farming was work. And my dad had an affinity against weeds. And the one who fought that the most was me, his son. He said, go out in the field and kill any weed that you see and plow it up. And I did that. I was in the hot sun plowing and hoeing and pulling up weeds and putting sodium chlorate on Johnson grass. That was my life. It's work. There's some work that has to be done. Are you willing to work a little bit? Because God has a wonderful life for you if you're willing to put in some time. So seed, time, and harvest, the plan of God takes some time. And now we're to number four, and I'm going to close with this. And this is an interesting one, okay? This is interesting. The seed has to die. There's a death that your seed has to go through. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, says, When Christ calls a man... He bids him come and die. Paul said this, I die daily, every day. There's a death involved. God puts dreams in people's hearts. You have a dream that God put in your heart. Listen, you're here for a purpose. You are. All of us are here for a purpose, not just the preachers. You know, not just the leaders of the ministries. No, every human being is here for a grand purpose. I think many people never find their purpose. I think, I think the key is finding Jesus Christ. But then I wonder how many people that know the Lord don't really find their purpose in life. God doesn't want that for us. He wants us to apply the word. And, but understand this, there's a dying that has to take place too. John chapter 12, verse 24, Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, that's like, hey, I'm guaranteeing this to you, okay? This is, this is a given. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. That's what God wants for your life, to produce much grain, much fruit. You know, think about a time in my life, and um, I was working with a ministry, and I was a young guy, and we were establishing, it's a very unusual ministry, we were establishing the guy, the leader, establishing a kid's TV program to teach little kids the Bible through cowboy characters. And that was just getting going. 1986 was the year. And uh, I had had a dream when I was a young man that I was going to be used in music. In fact, when I was a teenager in high school, our senior class would go to, every year, the senior class in this little school, Crest, Texas, a town of 800 people. How many have ever heard of Crest? One. Okay, because I told you about it. Uh, little bitty town. 35 people in my graduating class. The Crest Kangaroos. 
I was a fighting rube. Yeah. So anyway, we would uh, raise money in our senior year to go to Los Angeles. Now, I've never been, I've been to East Texas once or twice to see kinfolk. I've been across the line to New Mexico, but I've never been very far in life. And we were on a Greyhound bus and we went to LA, baby. And it blew my little West Texas mind. I'm telling you, you know, buildings and freeways and Disneyland and the ocean. And I mean, I thought I, it was just heaven. It was awesome. And I'm just like, golly. And it was so cool. And Anyway, we were downtown L.A. one of those days and, and walking around, and I looked up one day, and I saw this building, and it was a Capitol Record building. Put that picture up, if you will. There it is. And if you notice, that building is designed, it's round, and it, it's supposed to be designed to look like a, a stack of records. Like back in the day, we had records. Anybody remember records? They're kind of coming back. But, <laughs> but uh, And so I looked at that building. I don't know Jesus. I'm just a kid. But I thought, one of these days, I'm going to record music. I just knew it, and it just hit me, and, and I, I see, I believe now it was God talking to me. You know, God can talk to you even if you don't know it, and you don't even know him. So I came home, and I had a girlfriend. Her name was Trudy. I said, hey, Trudy. I said, you may think this is weird, but I think I'm supposed to make records. And she said, really? I said, yeah. She said, I believe that's true. She jumped in there with me, encouraged me. Thank God. So later on, we get saved. Now, I had always wanted to be a songwriter and write songs and then record. And so, I'm, but I don't know how that's going to happen. But now we're serving God. So I began to get involved in church music. I was a drummer and I led worship from the drums back in the 70s and 80s. Can you believe that? That was weird. And, uh, <laughs> but I did. And so I'm working with this ministry now, and this is a kid's thing, and I've written a couple of kids' songs, and I've recorded the tape, and this just, but, but I'm kind of dissatisfied, and I'm thinking about leaving, okay, to do something else. And so one day we're at a conference in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I taught a class on kids' praise and worship with a bunch of teachers that day. And, and when I was done, the pastor of the church was back at the back, and we were in a church, local church, and, and he came up to me afterwards. He said, could I talk to you for a second and see you in my office? I said, sure. Such a, this guy is so wonderful. I, 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 I love him today and talk to him from time to time, text him. And, um, but we go in his office, we sit down, and he's kind of uncomfortable as he's talking to me. And he says, you know, I, um, I was praying about you, and I believe the Lord told me something. And I said, okay, what? He said, well, I believe the Lord told me that you're thinking about leaving here, uh, leaving this ministry. And I said, well, uh, because I'm thinking, man, I don't want everybody to know this. And I said, well, you know, I'm thinking about it. But he said, well, I just believe the Lord told me something. He said, it's not his will for you to go. And I said, well, yeah, but you don't understand. This is bothering me and that. And he said, no, 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 I don't have to know about that. He said, but I believe the Lord told me that there's some things coming that you can't see right now, but they're on the other side of this. And if you'll be faithful and stay, he'll bless you even if you go, because he's not going to make you stay. But if you'll stay, that there's some things coming that are going to be a great blessing for you. And then he looked across the table at me, and he looked me in the eye. I'll never forget this as long as I live. And he said, what I'm about to say to you is not me talking to you. He said, this is the Lord. He said, Jesus says, would you do this for me? 
I melted. Because I thought, if I know Jesus wants me here, he's never done me wrong. He's the one that delivered me when I was in a mess. He's the one that helped me get through alcoholism. I'll trust Jesus. And although it was hard, I, decl- I, I made a heart decision that day. Well, two days later, I got fired. I did. And I went to the boss and I said, this is not right. I was bold about it because I knew I'd heard from God. I said, I don't want, you know, you do what you want to, but God wants me here. And I'm going to be the best person to help you. We're going to, and he said, okay, let's go. Well, after that, the Gospel Bill show that I was a part of, kids TV show, blasted, took off. 87, 88, it went all over the country. We were on daily on CBN. On the East Coast, we would go out there to do meetings. We could not hold all the people. We'd have to do three services in churches sometimes. We touched a generation of little kids with the Word of God. And the music I did was on the show. I did multiple albums for kids. I've written multiple kids' songs. God had that for me. And it's so wonderful. Everyone I travel, I see people and they say, I grew up watching you on TV. Wow, God did that. It was bigger than I could have imagined. But the seed had to die. Let's look at a couple of scriptures about this. 1 Corinthians 1.20. For all the promises, I read this before, but let's read it again. All the promises of God are in Him. Yes, and in Him, amen. So I can get everything I want in life. No. To the glory of God through us. That promise is not just so you can be rich and famous. No. That promise is so God is glorified through your life. 2 Peter 1.3 As His divine power has given to you to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who has called us by glory and virtue. This is all of us by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises so I can get rich and famous? No. So, so I could escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. The promises are designed in your life to glorify God and for you to become more like Jesus. And that's what the world needs to see. That's what the world needs to see. Now, Jesus said to a part of this, I'm going to close with, that this seed that is planted in your heart can't germinate without moisture. In Luke 8, he talked about that. The Holy Spirit is the moisture or the water that helps the seed die. And the Holy Spirit is the moisture and the water that brings it back to life. We need both. You know, in Israel, they have what they call the early rain in the, in the fall. When the crop is planted, they have the early rain. And it helps the, the, the seed germinate and begin to grow. And then it's dry. There's a dry period. And then in the end is the latter rain, where the rain comes back and it helps the crop receive full maturity. So we get the, the best of the harvest. The grain's not skinny, but it's, it's fat and flourishing. So it, we get maximum yield. That's what God wants your life to be. You know, that's what God wants the church to be. The church was born in the early rain, the baptism of the Holy Spirit flowing on the day of Pentecost, on Acts 2, when the church was born in power and glory. And then we've gone through some dry periods. But in the end, there's going to be latter rain. 
I think we're on the edge of that right now. I think we're on the edge of that. I think our generation is going to see some incredible things. God wants that for us. He talked, James talks about it. Dear brothers and sisters, James 5, 7, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. Jesus is looking for the harvest of the earth. People, people coming to the Lord. Wow. And we're a part of that. And your life is a part of that. And this principle just, it goes on and on in what we do. You know, at my age, I'm dying to some things all the time. I'm understanding this more than I ever have in my life because I do not want to miss out on what God's doing. Do you? It's going to be awesome. Smith Wigglesworth, I want to read a quote from him that just, every time I read it, it just impacts me so much. He was known as the apostle of faith. He was born in the 1800s. He was a plumber that got saved late in life. He was a powerful man of God. He raised, as it said, 14 people from the dead in his ministry. And this is what Smith Wigglesworth says. You can follow it on the screen as I read it. Oh, the calmness of meeting with Jesus. All fears are gone. His tender mercies and indescribable peace is ours. I have all I have in Jesus. All God's plans are to the end of yielded will. God is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. The outcome of a sown life, diviner, lovelier. The seed has to die. God awaits the death of the seed. It springs into new life. The early rain is to make the seed die, to come to an end. Ashes, and out of the ashes, the great fire of consummation that shall burn in the hearts of people. The word of the living God, producing the Christ by the breath of the Spirit. Ashes, then the latter rain appears, a surging life. The old finish now shall come forth on those that know the Father, a surging life, and the effects of the latter rain and universal outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The coming of the Lord is at hand. Anything that dies in Christ will receive a glorious resurrection. The greatest example, Jesus. He was planted in the ground, dead, all hope gone. But his life springing forth, the life of God springing forth in him, the first man risen from the dead. The example we all have, we are, we are a part of that. We have been risen, we have come back from the dead. When, when we receive him, we've come back from the dead. So, I have a question for you today. Are you willing to die? Will you die with me today? Would you close your eyes and bow your head? In fact, would you stand with me right now? As the prayer team comes, maybe you need to pray about some of these things I've talked about. Are there some rocks in your life? Are there some things that you see that are blocking what God wants to do? Give it to the Lord. He'll take it. He'll help you with it. Are there weeds and distractions you need to let go of? Some things you need to, to dig up and get out. They're blocking what God wants to do. God will help you with that. Are you willing to give it to God and allow Him to resurrect it? And then lastly, is your heart hard? Do you know the Lord? You know, you're in church this morning. 
This is a place you, you can get right with God. Our, our altar team is up there. They want to pray with you about these things. Come to the altar. Give these things to God. Leave here differently so you can fulfill this massive assignment we have in the end times to serve the Lord and fulfill this last day's commission. Let's worship Him. Thanks again for listening. For more information on our church or for more resources to help you grow in your faith, go to newsongpeople.com or download our app by searching for New Song Church OKC in the App Store.